Hello, my love. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about Brexit. Now, this Friday, January 31st, was Brexit Day for our friends across the pond. So, what exactly does that mean? Well, according to the mixed reactions and, frankly, doomsday warnings we've seen, it looks like not a lot of people actually know. So in this video, we're going to be sorting out fact from fiction, looking at what Brexit does and does not mean, going over some of the very emotional responses we've seen, and explaining why no matter where you live, you should care about what's happening in the UK right now. That's going to be a lot of fun. We'll laugh, we'll cry together. But first, I want to tell you guys about my friends at Brickhouse Nutrition and why I love their superfood field of greens. A few years ago, the doctors and human performance experts at Brickhouse wanted to create a product you could take every day, is all natural, and will make you healthier. The result was field of greens. One scoop of field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. It boosts your immunity, which you guys know is especially important to me because I am sick all the time using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is a real superfood not made from extracts. Real superfoods reduce your risk of heart disease, memory loss, and are a great source of vitamins, minerals, fiber, and other nutrients. You don't need to count pills or mix and match anything. Just put one scoop in a glass of water, stir, and you're done. And Field of Greens also comes in a wild berry flavor, by the way, which is really good. So go to BrickHouseLauren.com right now. Get 15% off your first order with the offer code Lauren. Take the guesswork out of eating healthy and start your day like I do with Field of Greens. That's BrickHouseLauren.com, BrickHouseLauren.com with the offer code Lauren. Okay, so to start off and make sure we're all on the same page, just because Brexit Day has happened, it does not mean that it's imminent. Poseidon emerged from the sea to drag Great Britain down into the depths of the abyss. I know that based on the hysteria that's been going on on social media, you might be inclined to believe that's what people are waiting for, uh, but no actually. What this does mean is that the UK has now entered into an 11-month transition period of leaving the EU. So during this time, the UK won't have any MEPs in EU Parliament anymore, so they won't have any say in what goes on with the EU. But the UK will still be paying into the EU budget during this time. And since I know this is what most people are worried about during this transition period, the free movement of goods, services, and people between the UK and the EU will not change. What's going to happen after these 11 months are over, though, you might be wondering. Well, that kind of remains to be seen. During 2020, the EU and the UK will be negotiating new terms for trade and immigration, so it's hard to tell what the future holds, but it is important to note that even if there isn't a trade deal in place by the end of the year, the EU and the UK would just default to using the standard WTO or World Trade Organization rules that are already lined out. People are acting like if a special deal with the EU isn't reached, then like British goods would just they would be banned from the EU and you wouldn't be able to drive Volvos anymore in London. That's not how that works though, okay? Other countries, they still trade. The EU, 
did not invent trade. And when it comes to travel, just because the UK is leaving the EU, that does not mean that Brits will never be able to visit France or Spain again, okay? I know a lot of people are concerned about their vacations. Don't worry, worst comes to worst, all you'll probably have to do is wait in a customs line like the rest of us. With all that being said, right now, it's almost as if Brexit has and has not yet happened. In a way, even though January 31st is officially Brexit day and the day that's engraved on that little controversial commemorative coin, in my opinion, the big test as to what Brexit will actually look like is only gonna come around after 2020 and the transition period and new negotiations and all of that are over. Sorry, I know that kind of housekeeping can be a bit boring to talk about to get through, but now that we've all been assured that no, Boris Johnson is not about to release roving squads of migrant catchers to round up and deport all the brown people in polls, Thank goodness, let's look at how different people have taken this news. Obviously, Nigel Farage, Mr. Brexit himself, is over the moon right now, as are, by the looks of it, other now former UK MEPs. Here's some footage of Farage's final speech in EU Parliament. No more financial contributions, no more European Court of Justice, no more common fisheries policy, no more being talked down to, no more being bullied, no more Guy Verhofstadt. I mean, I mean, what's not to like? I know you're going to miss us. I know you want to ban our national flags, but we're going to wave you goodbye. And we'll look forward in the future to working with you as sovereign if you disobey the rules, you get cut off. Could we please remove the flags? I'm really... Please sit down, resume your seats, put your flags away, you're leaving, and take them with you. At its core, the whole Brexit debate is about globalism versus nationalism, and we see that exactly here. Farage is touting the UK's newfound sovereignty and the idea that Brits can and should be proud to be British, to determine their own destinies and to wave their flags. Conversely, though, the EU, a fundamentally undemocratic globalist institution, is, as the kids say, not about that life. The EU is all about top-down government control, faceless bureaucracies, and pretty much the most anti-populist mentality you could ever have. The EU is an authoritarian regime, make no mistake about it. And nothing makes that clearer than, as usual, listening to give a Hofstadt for like two seconds. I will be very honest with you. If we could stop Brexit by voting no today, I would be the first to recommend it. It is indeed a sad issue, sad to see a nation leaving, a great nation, that uh, all of us have given so much, I mean culturally, I mean economically, I mean politically, even its own blood in two world wars. It's in fact sad to see a country leaving that twice liberated us twice given his blood to liberate Europe. It's sad to see Europe's liberators voting to protect their own sovereignty. If I could, I would overturn their democratic referendum. Do these people not hear themselves? It's no wonder the UK wants to leave. Look, 
I grew up in an active British colony, Hong Kong, one of the last ones. I've lived in the UK. My official designation is British national overseas. So, of course, I've been interested in how Brexit has been developing. I do care about what happens to the UK, but... Even if you're not British, even if you're not European, this whole Brexit thing should still interest you because this broad debate, globalism versus nationalism, is the same conversation that's been happening in almost every Western country lately. And this is especially true when it comes to the issue of immigration. British MEP Majid Majid had only seven months in the European Parliament. Now his country's officially leaving, and so must he. I was the first Green MEP to get elected in that, and it was, I'm thankful to the people of Yorkshire and Humber. Born in Somalia, Majid came to the UK as a child refugee. He started his political career in 2014, joining the Green Party, where he promoted an open European migration policy. My campaign slogan was, immigrants make Britain great. And that was something I was unequivocally, like, loudly and proudly, unapologetically about. Just for the record, because I know a lot of people online say a lot of things, I am not anti-immigrant. Actually, when you consider what immigration policy was like just 15, 20 years ago, I'm pretty centrist comparatively. You can't take unlimited immigrants, and you should be able to choose immigrants based on merit. That's what I believe and those are not radical positions. And it's true, there are a ton of immigrants who do help make countries great with their contributions. Absolutely. But to say that immigrants, i.e. people not from your country, are, period, what makes your country great, uh, no. I mean, kind of, kind of how dare you? At a time where immigrants were used scapegoats and people saying, oh, too many immigrants are like, I really was championing because even economically, culturally, every aspect of it, immigrants really enrich every aspect of our lives. If what makes your country great are the people who are not even from your country, then why aren't their countries so great since they would be blessed with even more of this cultural enrichment? These are exactly the same arguments that we see in the US, in Canada, in Australia about the wonders of diversity. But guess what? Time and time again, when people are polled about it or when elections are clearly made to be about immigration, People reject the idea that more immigrants is more enrichment. No, people have had enough of mass uncontrolled immigration. The British people specifically have clearly had enough of this open borders BS. So why not make Britain Britain again. Oh, also, just a quick reminder, no matter where you're watching or listening to this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. It helps us out a ton. It is getting harder and harder to be part of independent media leading up to 2020. You know, places like YouTube, Google as a whole, Twitter, Facebook, they, they are just not on our side. They certainly aren't showing our content to new people, so we are relying almost entirely on you guys, our awesome audience, to help us keep growing. Share Sharing our episodes means the world to us, and if you did want to go the extra mile to support the show, you can, of course, always head on over to blazetv.com slash Lauren and subscribe using the code Lauren. Even more than the whole nationalism versus globalism aspect, something that I think we can all relate to by now is the overly emotional, 
irrational rhetoric of people who didn't get their way. This week, social media has been a literal salt mine of Remainer posts. One post, written by a French national formerly living in the UK, reads that, quote, My England was beautiful, funny, welcoming, open, cosmopolitan, tolerant, thoughtful, pragmatic, just, generous, polite, irreverent, eccentric. I trusted her totally. Not for a moment could I imagine that she would sink so low and so quickly. My marvelous country has been transformed into a disgraceful hole where whoever shouts loudest wins, a country where the bullies and the xenophobic trolls rule. Common sense has disappeared to be replaced by the very worst ideologies. Hatred has replaced openness. Cowardice has replaced a sense of irony. Well, that's the rub, isn't it? Maybe this French person's England was never the England that the English people actually wanted for themselves. If this person really does believe that Britain simply exercising sovereignty over Britain really is this terrible, xenophobic, ignorant thing, then clearly they never loved Britain for Britain or for the British people. They only liked it and only wanted to live there for what they could get out of it. They continue though, it's not easy to mourn my lost illusions of England. So we are leaving for our children, their future, because there's nothing left for us in this country that is pushing us out. They finish that, tomorrow the removal people will arrive in front of our new house in France. Before leaving our old home in England, they couldn't help but share one last unpleasant observation, an out-of-order joke about the French. They made a lot of them yesterday thinking we couldn't hear them or maybe that we couldn't understand, even though we were speaking to them in English. Given the level of intelligence of these people, it's possible. Thank you, my dear idiots with your observations, for helping me not to cry. Again, it's, it's such a mystery why British people wouldn't want these European elitists, who clearly have such contempt for the average working British person, to control every aspect of their lives. It's a... It's a head-scratcher. Another person wrote, January 31st, 2020 will forever be recorded in the history books as one of the darkest days for democracy both sides of the Atlantic. Utterly shameful. I have no words. Uh, you know what was also a pretty dark day for democracy on one side of the Atlantic? Uh, that time that Germany democratically supported the Nazis? The literal Nazis? That was pretty not cool. But you know, you're right. You're right, Brexit is probably worse than that. Another person wrote, Brexit, goodbye to our freedom of movement, consumer standards, environmental protections, workers' rights. Okay, regarding freedom of movement, I don't know how many times I need to say it, but people who are not part of the EU still vacation places, still move other places for work or school, like these things are all possible. Outside of the EU, maybe you'll need to do some paperwork fill out some forms, you will still be able to go places. Also, you still have the option of just moving to the EU right now if you really want to do that, which apparently you really, really do. So just, just do that. And for all of that other stuff, consumer protections, environmental standards, workers' rights, the UK leaving the EU does not mean that the UK will suddenly become Lord of the Flies, just anarchy, anything can go. There are no more laws anymore. All it means is that the people of Britain will get to determine their own environmental standards, their own workers' rights, their own consumer protections. The only reason why I could think that a British person would be upset that the EU no longer gets to dictate how they live their lives, it will instead be their fellow Brits, is if they don't trust their fellow Brits as much as they do the bureaucrats in the EU, which, hey, 
If that's the case, fine, you can still go live there. And next, Paloma Faith, a singer who incidentally I actually think is quite talented, said a sad farewell to Europe. Half my bloodline, the place my partner was raised, my child's other passport, many of my friends and relatives. I love you all and will never stop feeling European. Something I was seeing a lot of as I was scrolling through all of these posts was the idea that Brits were no longer European because they're leaving the EU. Which is not a thing. Europe is a continent, a geographical classification. The EU is a political trading block, okay? Leaving the political trading block of the EU does not mean you're not in the, the continent anymore. You're still in the continent. If you still want to identify as being European, that's fine. You are. But at the same time, it's kind of strange why you would identify more with people who don't share your language, culture, etc., etc., than you would your own country. Just the opinion of a nationalist here. Also kind of interesting that she mentions bloodlines. Would not have expected Remainers to, you know, sprinkle in that ethno-nationalism. But hey, I... I, I guess. In any case, that's pretty much all I have to say for now, and as always, I would love to know what you guys think. Do you think these Remainers are eventually gonna get over Brexit, or will they just cry about it forever? And do you think Brexit will be a good thing for the UK in the long run? Why or why not? Let me know, but that's it for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.